to your greatness. Reset them to our greatness. Reset to your greatness. Reset to our greatness. Reset to your greatness. Reset. Hey there, everyone. This is Stephanie Rule, your NHA podcast host, and I'd like to welcome you to our February 2021 episode. Our topic for this month is growing inner wealth in the elementary classroom. Schools are one of the most valuable places to build inner wealth in our children. With all that students experience in schools, academic challenges, peer relationship difficulties, not to mention all that our students bring with them to school from their own home life, teachers have their hands full. And so many of our teachers feel like they do not have the tools they need to support their students academically, socially, and emotionally. It can be so defeating and so disheartening to so many of our teachers that they feel that the only way is a career change. Today, my guest and I will discuss how the nurtured heart approach is just the tool teachers need in order to feel like they can support their students wholly so that their students can experience a belief in themselves that guides them to be successful academically, socially, and emotionally. Just a few announcements before I introduce my guest. You can subscribe to our NHA podcast through iTunes or Blog Talk Radio so you can receive notifications about new episodes every month. You can find the Children's Success Foundation on social media by searching CSF is Greatness. You can explore our website, childrensuccessfoundation.com, for many great resources. And you can visit our Facebook page, The Nurtured Heart Approach, for informative discussions around the application of nurtured heart in your life. Certified trainers are on this page and provide really great feedback and insight as you begin your journey with the nurtured heart approach. Lastly, if you have questions, comments, or any feedback reg regarding the podcast, you can email them to nhapodcast.csf at gmail.com. So without further ado, I am honored to introduce my guest that is here with me today to discuss building inner wealth in the elementary classroom, Maxine McFarlane. Maxine has spent the past 14 years as a teacher at the elementary level in North Carolina. Prior to moving to the United States, she taught for 11 years at the primary school that she attended as a child in the beautiful resort city of Montego Bay, Jamaica, where she was born. She holds a BA in primary education from Northern Caribbean University and a master's in educational leadership from Virginia Commonwealth University. She was first certified as an NHA trainer in 2012 and had the privilege of doing training in India and, and in professional development settings at her schools. Maxine was recently recertified when she participated in the virtual CTI of the Nurtured Heart Approach in January, 2021. She currently works as a second grade teacher in a public school system in North Carolina. She takes pleasure in talking with her students and colleagues about their greatness and utilizing the tenets of the Nurtured Heart Approach in her personal life. She is the host of the Teachers Tribe podcast, where she provides con content for teachers, parents, and caregivers. Maxine has a passion for the social emotional well-being of children and facilitates a nurturing environment in her classroom. She is now focusing on sharing NHA on a wider scale at a time when it is greatly needed. She is currently living in North Carolina with her husband and three sons, ages 20, 16, and 14. Welcome to the show, Maxine. It's an honor that you are here with me today. Thank you, Stephanie. It's my pleasure to be here. Quite an honor. 
I uh, now the honor is mine. And I am so looking forward to hearing more about how you have empowered the students in your classroom and built an engaging, nurtured heart focused learning environment. I look forward to the conversation. Yes. So before we dive into that discussion, sometimes I do like to ask my guests to give our listeners a quick definition of the nurtured heart approach because sometimes we have listeners, well, oftentimes we have listeners who don't know very much about the nurtured heart approach. And every guest that I have on this show has brings a, their own unique perspective on what the nurtured heart is. So Maxine, I would love to hear what you say to people when they ask you that infamous question. So what is the nurtured heart approach anyway? It's funny that um, that question may have a different answer every time, Stephanie. Mm -hmm. Isn't that the truth? <laughs> yeah, depending on what my who my audience is or yes. um, it changes. And sometimes it's based on how I'm using the approach in that moment that my mm -hmm. definition will vary. Mm -hmm. So I remember when I was first introduced to Nurtured Heart, it was defined using the word framework. And somehow that word has always stuck with me. Mm -hmm. So when I am talking to like a professional, I, I tend to use that word framework a lot. So I see it as a framework, but it's a paradigm shifting framework mm -hmm. that facilitates and nurtures wholesome relationships. Mm. That's what my definition would be right now. Uh, well, I think that was so succinct and so powerful the way the way you said that it was literally in one sentence where sometimes it can take us a paragraph to say the same thing that you said and you just wrapped it up in such a powerfully potent way. So I um, love that definition. Thank you for sharing it. You're welcome. Yes. All right. Um, let's go ahead and dive into our our discussion for today. I'd love to hear um, how you transformed your classroom into a nurtured heart classroom. Tell me that story. How did you infuse uh, the three stands of nurtured heart into your classroom? I recognize as I reflect on my teaching career that relationship building has always been an integral part of my practice. Mm -hmm. So as a result, when I was introduced to nurtured heart, it just seemed to fit into my own ideology of relationship. I remember learning early on from an, a more experienced teacher that folks spend the first two weeks or the first month of school building those relationships. Everything else will fall into place. So when I introduce Nurtured Heart to my students, I pretty much focus on three things. And I was reflecting on that recently. And, you know, when I was in teacher's college, they used to talk about the three R's as an educator, reading, writing, and arithmetic. But I, I realized that I landed on three R's that relates to my practice and their relationship, recognitions, and resets. And um, I think that's the foundation for the work of introducing Nurtured Heart to my students. Sometimes I think I go through without even mentioning the name Nurtured Heart. Um, but the tenets of Nurtured Heart are integrated. So I, I focus on building relationships with my students from day one, from meet the teacher night, um, simple things like using their names. So they're recognized as an individual person. Mm -hmm. um, and just the power of resets where children know that whatever situation happened yesterday does not impact my relationship with them tomorrow. 
So I usually try to just focus on those three R's. And then we could talk some more about what that might look like in terms of my introduction in a like in the classroom setting on a specific day when I'm first launching it, if that's where you want to go. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I I would love to hear that. And I just, yes, let's dive into that. All right. I'm going to listen some more before I respond at all, because this is very um, beautifully laid out. And I'm just really intrigued by um, how you bring Nurtured Heart into your classroom. So please do. All right. So for, um, for starters, the video game story is always my launching pad. Um, I've spent most of my teaching career teaching children in their formative years. So for a very long time, I, um, first grade was my life. Um, I enjoyed teaching that age group because they are still so excited about learning. They love their teachers. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so that's another plus. Um, so, and, and the video game is something that they can relate to. So, so I'm. Can you tell me before you keep going, could you, could you just give a quick brief dis ex explanation of the video game theory? Okay. I'll do it while I'm telling you how I put, ah, um, share it with my kids. I'm resetting from interrupting you. <laughs> yes. No, no, no. That's fine. <laughs> so, um, oh, back in the regular classroom, this pandemic year has everything out of whack, but I would gather them in the typical classroom setting on the carpet. We sit in a circle or we sit on our squares. And I start telling them, I start asking them, what are your favorite video games? What do you like to play? And of course, all these names, my boys are a lot older now. So some of the games that six and seven year olds play, I'm not familiar with. So they'll start, you know, spitting out all these names and they'll tell me how they're played and they'll tell me what device they used to play it on. And as because I'm a novice to video games, um, they get really excited about sharing their wealth of knowledge with me. Yes, yes. So the students become the teacher, right? <laughs> I love that. And, so they, and, and you're building relationship right from the exactly, very beginning. Exactly, because I'm taking notes, sometimes mental notes, like, okay, this is what this, per this particular child likes to play. So if I'm <laughs> working with him in a small group or one-to-one, -one, I'll make up a math problem that has that video game name in it. Mm. So all, all those things are things that I'm gleaning from my students. Right. And so then I'll continue to say something like, so what, what do you do? Um, have you ever played your game? And it just freezes all of a sudden. And of course they can relate to that. Mm -hmm. So I'll say, what do you do when that happens? Um, do you throw your video game in the trash can? And they just laugh hilariously, like, no way. Why would I do that? I said, um, do you just give it to somebody else? Do you just give it away to, do you donate it somewhere? Or do you just give it to a friend? Because since it's messing up for you, you just don't play with it anymore. So I give them all these ridiculous scenarios of, of things that they should do with this mm -hmm. game that's maybe worthless now because it's not working right. Mm -hmm. And then they'll they'll just act as if I'm so ridiculous. So they'll eventually, and you know what? Maybe nine times out of 10, somebody will say, you could always just push that button to reset it. Mm. And then that is my launching pad to make an application that. to say in the same way you wouldn't throw out that video game, we have moments in our lives when things go awry. Mm -hmm. And sometimes in our classroom, we're gonna have moments like these. So that's what I build on when I first introduced it. Mm. 
And I, I love that. I think that's a brilliant way to bring nurtured heart. And I mean, I've never, honestly, I've never heard anybody use the video game theory analogy to introduce nurtured heart into their classroom. I think it's brilliant. I love that. Um, and I'm curious, do you, after you've gotten them to make that connection between, um, you know, oh, I can just reset the game and then they're connecting to being able to reset themselves as well. Do you guys then go into discussion about like a group reset? Is there, is it just individualized resets? Um, could you tell me a little bit more about that? I'm curious about that. Okay, so um, in most schools, the first couple of weeks, we spend a lot of time teaching routines and procedures. Mm -hmm. And I find that introducing this as part of our routine and procedures work quite well. So we practice, how do we line up? How do we walk to the cafeteria? What do we do with, what do we do in the mornings when we come in? All those routines. So mm -hmm. I just treat a reset as a part of our routines. So it's just, it's, it's normalized. It's what that. we do. Mm -hmm. So we'll practice um, whole group. Like what does a whole group reset? And when, and we even come up with scenarios where there might be need for a, for a whole group reset. So um, we do, let's say fire drills, the alarm goes off and everybody's running and screaming. Would that be a good time to reset? And what would that look like? So we, we practice those and then we'll I'll come up with scenarios too, to say, what would happen if somebody fell on the playground and was crying or somebody took another person's belongings and broke it and that person was visibly upset? What are some of the things the, 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 the child who did the act could do to reset and what could the child who's affected by the action do to reset him or herself. Hmm, that's so we, we build lots of different scenarios and we make them practical to everyday life. Mm -hmm. And um, whenever there's an incident reported to, um, rather than focus on the negativity of the incident, we just casually talk about what other options could be and how that could be framed in the context of a reset. Mm. Wow, that is incredible. Um, do they, do you find that since you're introducing the uh, the whole, through all of the stands, it sounds like all three stands just from the, the very get-go and with your um, procedural classroom building activities in the very beginning of the school year, um, <clears throat> do you find that they, your students just eventually become um, excellent self-resetters? Eventually, because, you know, in any classroom, you're going to have just a handful of outliers. Of course. The ones, the ones whose fame precede them from previous grade levels. Mm -hmm. um, you, you always have those. But I think I kind of worked backwards because I talked about resets um, before I talked about recognitions. And I typically do a lot more of using recognitions before I even introduce the resets. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So, like I said, from Meet the Teacher Night, I'm already using some of those recognitions. From... Is that with the parents as well? The Meet the Teacher Night? Yes, yes. Oh, they, so... they, will right. they will come in before school starts officially. Mm -hmm. So, Maxine, you are, you are introducing, officially int introducing, essentially, the Nurtured Heart approach to the parents before they even really, you even really get to fully introduce it to your students. Is that correct? Yes. And another thing that um, facilitates the introduction, even though that's not like I'm deliberately, it's just my practice, mm -hmm. um, is we have to make 
in the in my current school, we are expected to make a positive phone call home at the beginning of the year before school starts. So once we get our class list, we're expected to call home. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, a lot of times when parents get calls, it's because something went wrong. Mm-hmm. So we are encouraged, which I think is such a beautiful practice. I do too. Yes. To call before school even starts, just to make that connection. Is can I ask you a, a clarifying question? Is your entire school nurtured heart trained, or is it just you in your classroom? Just me. I previously worked in a school that was totally nurtured heart trained, and that's where I was first introduced to it. Mm-hmm. But now I'm working in a different school system that uses d- different behavior management system. So mm-hmm. I try to make an impact within my little world of my classroom. Mm-hmm. And um, over time through my relationships, I'll share with other people, but we are not any, we're not an NHA school. Mm-hmm. So that can be <clears throat> a blessing and can be quite difficult all at the same time. Yeah. <laughs> a blessing because you get to be the leader of that school and, um, you know, by way of you practicing what you believe in, what you believe to be true about relationships and how to form healthy and sustainable relationships by way of you just practicing that, um, you know, you get to be that leader uh, for your other, your coworkers, for the administrative team, um, and of course for your students um, and the parents of your students as well. Yes, Mm -hmm. and if I may say one more thing about the recognitions. Please do. I prefer to to make recognition such a normal normal part of our everyday operation because at that level too, you know, tattling is a big thing for Absolutely. first and second graders. <laughs> so it's my way of counteracting to some of that. Mm-hmm. So rather than coming to tell me about all that's going wrong, I like to set them up, especially when they're going to be in a different Um, setting. So when they leave my classroom and they go to lunch or they go to specials where I am not physically there with them Mm -hmm. the entire time, I, I tell them to put their greatness, their imaginary greatness glasses on. So when they get to specials, I want to hear about, and I create a monster in doing that because sometimes I hear more than I have time to, (laughs) time to really accommodate because I have to get on with the business of instruction, but they'll Mm -hmm. come back to tell me about the wonderful things that their classmates did and especially the 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 more challenging students who they would always come back to say this person did that and that person wasn't making good choices Mm -hmm. in music class or wherever so i kind of reframe that for them and over time i like i said i unearthed that monster that just wants to tell me about all the great things that happened while they were away from me i would love to hear an example i'm just thinking about the um the listeners out there, the teachers who are listening to this, they're probably thinking, how do you reframe that when, when the same, you know, handful, small handful of children every day come to you and say, this person did that. So-and-so said this, so-and-so said that. Um, I love, first of all, the proactive approach that you take to um, sort of circumvent that from happening as much as possible, you know, by sending them out with their greatness glasses on so that they can learn to train their brains to see what's going right, focus on what's going right, as opposed to focusing on all the negativity. But of course, we still have those handful of of students or even, you know, just any student who sometimes might come up to you and say, so-and-so did this, that, and the other. Um, How do you reframe it in a nurtured heart way in those moments? 
that comes with what I call the power of a reset. I think the reset is such a powerful tool because it allows the students to know that tomorrow is going to be a new day. I may have flipped over some tables today, but tomorrow when I walk into the classroom, my teacher is still going to be excited to see me. Mm-hmm. And my, my, my classmates are going to welcome me back because they have also reset from that incident and they're also willing to forgive and welcome me back. Mm. And one of the things I desperately try to do is not to allow my students' history to determine their possibility. So mm, sometimes we get sometimes we get information from previous years and you know you hear that oh did that person end up on your class list? Yes. <laughs> He's on my class list. But that, the sum you know like you watch kids over the summer. I have been teaching second grade for a few years now and I'll say goodbye to my students on the last day of school and when I see them on the first day of the following year walking by my second grade classroom heading down to third grade you can see that they have grown inches over the summer. Mm-hmm. And I apply the same thing to emotional maturity and growth. Mm-hmm. So the the first grader who was throwing tantrums may not be the same child that I have in my second grade class right now. So even though his first grade teacher may have a different impression of him, mm-hmm. it doesn't mean that's the, the child that I now have. I, I'm so grateful to hear you say that because how... How in the world? I mean, if you think about it, that's how that's how children get, you know, labeled and put into this box of oh, he's or she's not a good kid, or that's the portfolio, right? <laughs> yes, exactly. And so I love the grace you give your students, um, and I love that you know, essentially this is, this is a self reset. That's the way I look at it, that, that you are, are resetting yourself from allowing yourself to be pulled into what was about this kid, what was in his or her history, how he was last year. Um, you're resetting into the current present moment of this, this student and just being present with them and allowing them to create, um, a newer version of themselves by way of you instilling nurtured heart in them and building inner wealth in them. So they can say, oh, wow, Miss McFarlane really helps me see that I'm a good listener or I can be kind. I am kind to my, my neighbor when they pinch me and I don't punch them back or whatever it might be. Like, that is such a beautiful gift to give yes. to a second grade student. Instead exactly. of saying, this is it for you, honey, <laughs> this is who you are. So, you know, put on your seatbelt because for the next 10 years of your schooling, you're going to be this kid. Right. I mean, that's just, that makes my heart um, sore to know that there are teachers like you who are saying, uh-uh, no, that's who you, 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 ha- you showed those behaviors last year, but you know what? We're starting fresh this year and I'm going to trust in you and I'm going to help build these qualities that I see in you so that you can be showing those qualities to the world and sharing them with everyone. I love that. I just love that. Yeah. And um, if I may add, Stephanie, I know most of the examples I've shared so far are more behavior related, Mm -hmm. But 
I also want to maybe talk a little bit about the academic side. Um, I made a, a, I made mm-hmm. a, like a wooden sign some years ago and I put it on top of my door on the outside that says greatness is expected. And that is such an all encompassing statement. It's kind of like a class theme or something. Greatness is expected. But the, the students who struggle academically too may end up feeling like, what is my greatness? I'm not the one that's being recognized for being on honor roll or getting those accolades. Mm-hmm. So I like to extend that greatness conversation while I, I still celebrate those students that are academically strong and recognize their greatness in math or reading or whatever. I go the extra mile for the ones who are not as strong academically and mine down into something that it, that really helps to recognize their greatness. And sometimes it may be in the arts. It may be um, like when I go to specials, I'll have a quick conversation with the art teacher or the music teacher to say, tell me about this child's greatness today, just so I can have something to celebrate him for when we get back into the classroom. So mm-hmm. he may have drawn the most beautiful picture, but he can't add two two-digit numbers to save his life. He cannot read on grade level, whatever it might be. But mm-hmm. there's always something great. And that is the expectation that I hold for them. And I want them to recognize that it's not all academic. Mm. I love that. <clears throat> um, that sounds like creating miracles out of molecules and truly seeing the child, whatever the child brings as a gift, you know, like for, like you said, the student who is, you know, can't add two plus two, but can sit down and, and detail out this in, in intricate, beautiful drawing um, in five minutes that is mind boggling for a second grader, right? Like everybody has their gifts. And um, while we certainly aren't going to not try to support the kids who need academic support, we can still, like you're saying, we can also um, really hold them up and show them what's great about them. Like, look at this beautiful gift you have. Let's talk about how great that is. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I love too how that facilitates um, additional recognitions for them. So mm-hmm. I get to brag on them in the classroom to say, you know, Miss so-and-so or Mr. So-and-so said this about you today, but mm-hmm. I'm saying it in the presence of the, the classmates so that they are also recognizing that. And sometimes it, they end up telling me more stories about that child in the specialist classroom when I'm not there mm. because I have highlighted that. Or I like to make phone calls um, <laughs> like in the middle of the day when, the, when they're working. So I may have covered my modeling and now they're doing independent practice and i walk over to the telephone to just make a phone call to the parent to say this happened but i say it loud enough so the child can hear well i usually take the child with me to stand next to me while i'm bragging on him but Mm -hmm. the classmates are still kind of eavesdropping on the conversation of course (laughs) of course they are right and not well it's kind of inevitable because i'm saying it loud enough for them to hear too because i want them to hear (laughs) and then um the child gets the opportunity to get on the telephone with the parent for Mm. the parent to you know, add to the the fact that they got a positive phone call in the middle of the day. Is that something that you do um, every day in your classroom? Unfortunately, no, because 
the pressures of instruction and um, mm -hmm. following the, the, the schedule is pressing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I understand that. I just, I was wondering, so you just do it, do it as often as you can, or do you have a set like every Friday or once a month? I don't have a set time. I do it randomly. I wish I could um, say that I did it on a regular basis. I don't. One of the things that I do try to keep consistent once I've um, established that nurtured heart in my classroom is to have like a weekly greatness circle. So mm. they look forward to that every Friday. One, um, our school uses what's called morning, that morning meeting structure. Mm -hmm. And that really facilitates some of the work that I do with Nurtured Heart. So the students look forward to the greatness circle on a Friday. Mm -hmm. Can you tell me a little bit about how you, how that looks in the, what do they do in the greatness circle? Do they give recognitions to each other? Um, do they, do they each take a turn recognizing someone or do they get to volunteer? How does that work? They do take turns. So I try to, I will start off by recognizing a student mm -hmm. and then I'll ask for volunteers who also want to recognize the student and I'll project on the, like when in the first few weeks of doing this, I'll project a sentence frame on the board on the smart board or mm -hmm. somewhere to say, and it will say something like, I see greatness in you blank. So it would be like, I see greatness in you. And if Stephanie's being recognized today, they will, re they will read from the sentence frame to say, I see greatness in you, Stephanie, because, and then I'll have dot, dot, dot. And mm -hmm. then we get to tell why they see that greatness. And then the second sentence frame is, this tells me that dot, dot, dot. Mm. So it gives them scope to say initially I may have to start off reading it and having someone echo it if they're not able to read the sentence frame as yet over time they'll memorize it or as they grow they are able to read it themselves I love and, that and the beautiful thing about that they don't just recognize what is happening in the moment they'll sometimes go back to history some will even say I remember when we were in first grade together mm -hmm. you know? so it, it it lends itself to a whole wide range of, of things. Mm -hmm. I love that. I think it's beautiful that you give them that sentence frame, which is, you know, essentially the same sentence frame that we use when we teach the nurtured heart approach to grownups. Mm -hmm. And so I love that you're trusting in your little eight-year-old, seven and eight-year-olds, um, that they can handle that same sentence frame that a grown-up uses and you're building their vocabulary. You're, I mean, talk about, you know, using, infusing um, academics into the social emotional curriculum. You know, I mean, you really are building their, their helping to build their vocabulary when you have them, uh, when you guide them to say, well, that shows me that you are. Yes, and I'm glad you said that because you triggered my memory now, Stephanie. Oh, good. Because um, sometimes as we have the conversations, they're not able to come up with the adjectives. Mm -hmm. and usually when I give the sentence frame, I'll put in parentheses below the blank like noun or adjective, just to kind of guide their thinking. Mm -hmm. And as sometimes I may supply the word based on the description that the child gives or based on the example, sometimes they're not even able to identify a word, but they can give an example or a scenario yes. of something that happens. And then as a group, we can explore, what does that say about this person? It means that person is kind or, and so over time I build like a word bank and I put it on sentence strips and just put it up 
on the wall in my classroom. So sometimes when we're actually having greatness circle, you'll see them leaning over to glance at the wall <laughs> to, yes. choose, to choose a word. And um, sometimes coming out, out of the greatness circle too, I may send home a greatness note to the parent. Mm -hmm. for a specific thing. So sometimes it might be a phone call, sometimes it might be a greatness note, and they really look forward to that. And I have the parents sign it and return it to school so I can put it up somewhere, maybe in their cubbies, that they can always look at it. Well, I just love that. What a great way to flip around what the old paradigm um, that we're so used to of, you know, <laughs> teachers or administrators have to send home the negative note saying, you know, little Susie got in trouble today and you have to sign it, sign the note and have the student bring it back. So you're flipping around that paradigm of giving all that energy to the negative behavior um, to instead be giving the, that positive energy to the, to the things that are going right. And, sh and, and you're in turn, the, the, other, the, the other gift about that is that you're in turn, you're helping to support building healthy relationships between your students and their parents. Right. It gives them something to talk about yes. when, they, when they get home. And, you know, unfortunately, we still have that system where we have to log those infractions. Yes. And it's a requirement, so I have to do it anyway. Mm -hmm. And then that, so whenever I have to do it, I can just feel that negative pressure in my heart building up that I, I wish I could do something otherwise, but it has to be documented because mm -hmm. that's required. But um, what I like doing to, to kind of counteract that is when sometimes when my administrators are able to facilitate it, and I try to do it more so with the challenging children mm -hmm. to see if my administrator could meet with that child, I'd say, may I bring the student to your office? Because this child has visited the, the principal or assistant principal's office many times, but never for what I'm taking this child for. And if, if they're able to accommodate that, because you know, administrators have a thousand things doing every day, mm -hmm. I will walk with the greatness note. And then if the child is able to read, then I'll have the child read it, or I'll, have, I'll ask the administrator to read it out loud to the child, just so they can hear what is being said to them. And that gives the administrator the opportunity to recognize and commend this child. Yes, and yes, that's beautiful. And to also, that is a great way to counteract that because I understand <clears throat> that you have policies, schools have policies and you have to follow the policies. Exactly. Um, so what a beautiful way to counteract that policy, not counteract necessarily, but you know, when we, when we have these policies where we know that it's just feeding into this negative portfolio for a student, um, the, so instead of saying counteracting, I guess it would be to help build the positive portfolio. <clears throat> Even though you can't change the policy, you can, you can add to, you know, around it, add things around that policies that that are supportive of building the positive portfolio in a student, such as what you just shared. Um, that's, that's just great. I love, I love that you do that. What a great idea. And how beautiful is it too, that the child now gets to see the administrator in a new light, because sometimes yeah. after being written up several times through the years, I'm in second grade. So from kindergarten to first grade, like you have two years of history of baggage of going to the principal's office and being in quote unquote trouble 
Right. So now you're able to interact with the principal where the principal is not the bad guy or the bad woman who is giving me these consequences for my actions. Mm -hmm. so I, I think that opens it up to mutual or um, benefits on both sides. Absolutely. It's that it goes, comes back to building relationships. Um, what a gift, what a beautiful gift that we have in our hands with the nurtured heart approach that the one little small activity that you do, that you, that you're doing by, by way of having, you know, in the greatness circle, so-and-so who gets in trouble all the time, gets this great, um, thing said about them, shared about them, something really positive, And they get that note sent home to mom and dad saying, look at how great your kid is today. And they, if, if it works out, they get to walk down to the office for something positive with your, with their teacher for doing something right, for doing something good and positive. And they get to share in that moment with the principal or the administrator, mm -hmm. you know? And so now, so now you've affected how many relationships has that affected? There's the parent-child mm -hmm. relationship. There's the teacher-child relationship. There's the administrator-child relationship and the peer relationships within the circle. What right. a gift. That is such a gift right there. Oh, I agree. That gave me chills. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Okay. So I, I, um, I know we are coming up on the um, running out of time situation that always happens on the podcast. <laughs> Um, but I feel like we probably barely covered anything of what you wanted to talk about because it's just been such a great conversation. I don't know if there's anything before we kind of end our conversation, if there's anything that stands out to you, any last things that you didn't, that you wanted to share that you didn't get to share yet. Let's, let's hear it. Yes, I think the greatest reward in using this in my classroom is to see the shift in the students individually. It's almost like when you when the light bulb goes off, like I'm trying to teach a concept and they're not getting it. And then I pull out some manipulatives and they get it in their hands. And then all of a sudden they understand the, the math concept that I'm teaching. Mm -hmm. So when they get to that point where they are able to recognize their own greatness, to me, that's just the most beautiful thing. Hmm. the most beautiful thing and sometimes I can't turn them I can't turn them off I wish they had an off button to say, okay. <laughs> <laughs> some days I say okay baby I can't listen to you right now because I need to finish this lesson but how about we talk at recess time well that is back in the the good old days of yes. being on the playground right talk um at recess time so I get so many beautiful recess stories and that and that is a part of the relationship building too, mm -hmm. but it's it's wonderful to see them recognize their own greatness. And there's one thing that I usually like to do towards the end of the, like in the final quarter of the school year, and that is to have them write a letter to their next grade self. So mm. like Stephanie, write a letter to your third grade self. Mm -hmm. And it's just amazing to see how I, how I can see the pieces of their growth so when they when they try to imagine themselves as a third grader, I'm seeing words like, "I in third, um, dear Stephanie, I see you being responsible because you know." And it's just so wonderful to see those pieces coming in because they now have a vision for their future, mm -hmm. and I like to take those letters to them 
like halfway through their third grade year and say, do you remember when you wrote this? And I'll give it to them then. That's so great. I, I, what I just, I think about the seeds that are being planted in your classroom and, you know, the seeds of relationship, the seeds of self-relationship and self-love. And I, I just think that it's, it's such a beautiful thing that you're doing, that you're a foundation that you're providing uh, for your, for your second graders. I mean, here they are, they're only in second grade, but they are learning a lifetime of supportive tools that they, they don't even probably realize they're learning, but it's being planted and, um, and growing. And I just, I look forward to, um, a time when you call me up in the future and you say, oh my gosh, Stephanie, I trained my entire staff in the nurtured heart approach. Now it's in every single classroom in my school. <laughs> wow. That would be great. That would be so yes. great. That would be a gift. It really would. It really would. Yes. Oh my gosh. Well, Maxine, I think that, um, I have so many different avenues that I wanted to chat with you about regarding what you do in your classroom from a nurtured heart perspective, but the, um, little tiny pieces that we covered were so rich and valuable. And I'm just grateful for, uh, for the, for what we did get to share, what you did get to share with me about, about nurtured heart in your classroom. Um, Thank you for the opportunity to share it. Um, Yeah. We'll have it's, to have another <laughs> another episode where you can cover more. <laughs> and you know, as you said that, I am now deeply reflecting because I was able to do so much more when we were face-to-face and right now I'm teaching remotely. Mm-hmm. And that's a whole different ball game. Yes. The, the time isn't there as much to do a lot of this. I'm just grateful though that we still have morning meetings so I'm able to infuse a bit of of my practice into that time, mm-hmm. but it, it would be such a gift. I feel like this year, these, these students of mine are shortchanged. Yeah. Because it's not the same as when we were face to face. The students of the world are shortchanged right now. I, I hear you and I agree with you a hundred percent. And what, what an opportunity for the teachers of the world, the parents of the world, all of us to reset into the present moment of what we do have and what is going right and what we can make of this oper- of this moment in front of us. Um, and, you know, I mean, I know you can't do as much as you usually do with Nurtured Heart in your classroom, but I, you know, you did say that I know you're doing as much as you can, where you can and when you can, um, and that's, that's all that we can expect of ourselves. And we just have to make the best out of this situation exactly. <laughs> that we're all in together. Exactly. I'm just holding on to my resilient creativity and see where that takes me. Yes. I love that. Yes. What a great way to end the show. Um, I would like to offer, if you have any um, pearls of wisdom that you want to share with either um you know, thinking from the teacher perspective with the other teachers out there in the world, there's any pearls of wisdom you'd like to share before we, before we close the show for today? Yes. Teachers have so much power. Sometimes it's scary. Mm -hmm. And if we just recognize the impact that we can make on a child and use that because it's, 
it's something that's going to last for generations. What I do with my handful of students right now will impact their relationships at home, with their siblings, with their parents. And even as they grow, I still have fond memories of some teachers that impacted me, even though I have been out of school for such a long time. Mm -hmm. I would just want to encourage teachers to focus on the importance of building relationships and making sure that our interactions with students leave marks and those marks are good ones, mm -hmm. ones that they can hold on to, ones that can build them up to make them, to nurture them pretty much, to nurture them and to help them to grow into, into their own ways of showing their own greatness. And not only that, but the nurtured heart approach, I see it as a gift to myself as a teacher Mm -hmm. Because I have the grace of cons constantly resetting. Every day is a new chance for a reset. Mm -hmm. And I can start all over again to build those relationships. And to <sighs> just pour into my students. Because that's what I feel like I was called to do. I love that you just said to that. Change. Yeah, just to, be, just to be an instrument of change for my students in a positive way. Mm -hmm. That's beautiful. Beautifully said. And I'm so glad you brought in, in our last seconds of this podcast, I'm glad you mentioned the self-reset because what a tool, a precious tool it is to have that in our, in a classroom environment, to be able to reset yourself or, I mean, you know, for myself speaking from a parental perspective, I mean, I can't, I can't do this without the self-reset. My stand one and resetting me is what opens up my eyes to everything that's going right. So um, I'm just glad you brought that you brought that into this conversation. It's so important. Um, so teachers of the world, work on those self-resets, man. They are a glorious gift. <laughs> I agree. Oh, goodness. Okay, well, just a reminder for our listeners, you can go to our website, childrensuccessfoundation.com for more information on trainings in your area and free resources. And a very special thank you to my guest, Maxine McFarlane. And to everyone listening, don't forget to see what's going right in your daily journey. One thing I can tell you without blinking I'm not giving it time to negative thinking Those fears in the past have left me sinking with all the worries and doubts I used to grow Bad finances or flagging relations Don't go in that direction I'm now a proponent of taking time to feel all the moments Knowing what you want to do with these moments the greatness in your moments Breathe into greatness Radiate your heart with greatness Breathe it into every cell Then breathe it out to the world as well Reset to your heart's intention Rededicate to this connection